Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. 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 Love it. Sean Payton. Update. 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 The update. 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 On Sean Payton is that he's interviewing with the Cardinals on Thursday. Let's go. Howard Bolzer was the first reported of PHNX Sports. It was later confirmed by Ian Rappaport. Howard is also reporting that he has postponed, he being Sean Payton, his second interview with Denver, which was supposed to take place before his interview with the Cardinals, which I think kind of makes sense because if he really wants to talk to the Cardinals, there's a chance that when he has that second interview with Denver, whenever it is, that Denver locks the door and doesn't let him leave. So if he really wants to talk to the Cardinals, he, he might want to wait on the second interview with Denver until he's already had the first interview with Arizona just to make sure he hears what they have to say in terms of money and power and all the things that Sean Payton wants to hear about the job. So if that's the case and Howard's reporting is accurate, he'll interview with the Cardinals for the first time before interviewing with Denver for the second time. Yeah, and if you're the Cardinals and you decide, if you're Monty Fort and Michael Bidwell, and you decide, look, this is the guy you're blown away by the uh, the, the pitch that he sells you and, and what he's going to do, you might want to make an offer there before he goes to the second interview with the Denver Broncos. Look, as I say, I, the, the one thing, you may say, okay, we, you look at all the jobs, and everybody tried to look at these jobs you know, two weeks ago after Black, uh, Black Monday and after the firings and say, what's the most attractive job? What's the best job? And and you try to, fa- you have all these factors factors in there. Is it the owner? Is it the quarterback? I'm telling you, one of the big factors has to be the difference between what the quarterback playing the NFC and the quarterback playing the AFC. You know, Cardinals or Broncos? Oh, you mean the Broncos are a better organization. Are the Broncos owners more committed to winning? You can, you can make arguments for all of those. Right. Broncos have to play against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes four times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and you may end up with a game against Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. Like, or it, Trevor Lawrence. It's, or, it's, it's, it goes on and on. juggernaut. The AFC is loaded, loaded with young. Patrick Mahomes is the old man in the group, but he's 27. <laughs> 27. Mm-hmm. He's going to play for 10 more years. Yeah. You go to, and you go there, and you've got the old man and Russell Wilson who's coming off his worst year ever. Like, do you really want to go there? You want to come here? Try to, try to get Kyler to be decent. You give yourself a chance. Brock Purdy's in the NFC Championship game against Jalen Hurts. <laughs> you know what? If there's any point that accentuates your point better than that, I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, there's your Look NFC Championship who's game. in the NFC Championship game. Right. Mr. Irrelevant from the draft a year right. ago. And Jalen Hurts, good yeah. quarterback who there were question marks about just this time a year ago, but yeah. whether he was good enough to be a quarterback. Guy who was the seventh round pick, the last pick overalls in the NFC Championship game in the NFC. Yeah. Like, you have a chance. Like, you, if you're thinking like that and you want to win, got much better chance of winning here. Rodgers is 39. He may be, end up leaving the damn the, the conference anyway and going somewhere else. Yeah. He could get traded. I've said it before. I'll say it again, man. Watching those games over the weekend, and it occurred to me that the trifecta of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow might be roughly akin to the trifecta of Troy Aikman, Steve Young, and Brett Favre from the early 90s. Like, like man, good luck getting through those guys. Guys, uh, because they're they're going to be they're going to dominate they're going to dominate for years and years and years and years and you're not going to be able to crack that code and that's not even including Justin Herbert that's not even including Lamar Jackson or Trevor Lawrence right just those three guys alone might be to the AFC what those three I just mentioned were to the NFC back in the early 90s you couldn't beat them. 
you couldn't. It was going to be one of those three guys every year. You just knew it. You just do it. There was no yeah. other choice. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what else we know about the Cardinals' coaching search. Um, D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, did two interviews over the weekend, and then according to Jay Glazer, he canceled the other interviews he had scheduled. One of those was with the Arizona Cardinals. Glazer didn't mention anything about a rescheduling. And he basically said the reason why Ryan's canceled was because he, he felt like he needed to focus on the Dallas Cowboys game. Did he cancel on the Cardinals or did he postpone the Cardinals? That, that, that's the question we're all trying to get the answer to. Because if he yeah. canceled on them, I got to imagine D'Amico Ryan's heard what he wanted to hear from one of the two teams that he spoke to. And he's going to take one of those that's jobs. That's probably what's going to happen. Although J.J. Watt did give a, a ringing endorsement for D'Amico Ryan's as a potential head Saw coach. Saw that. Saw you that. see that? He tweeted out, uh, as a rookie in Houston, I bought my first house across the street from D'Amico. Because if D'Amico thought it was the right place to live, it was the right place to live for me. Captain, leader, smart, tough, personable. Crushed it as a D.C. He'll be a great head coach. That was J.J. Watt commenting on uh, D'Amico Ryan. So, listen, I think there's a chance that maybe he knows he has a job. I mean, it's these jobs are are precious and they're few and uh, usually you want to, you know, if you want to leave and be a head coach, you're going to go through the process. Maybe somebody told him we're going to hire you or maybe he, you know, maybe he just feels really good being 38 that he's in a good spot right now and I don't need to rush anything and he really did just want to concentrate on that game. Uh, Yeah, and maybe he just truly postponed it. Maybe he just said, look, guys, I don't have the bandwidth to be able to do this and prepare for a game at the same time. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take a pause on this. We don't, we don't know exactly for sure. I know this. He is now not allowed to speak to anybody this week. His next interview can't happen until Monday. So if the Cardinals are going to want to talk to him, they can't interview him until next Monday. Is he somebody worth waiting for? If the Cardinals are still a possibility for a landing spot for him, the Cardinals will have to decide that. They'll have to decide if he's worth waiting until Monday to speak to him. And you brought up the good point earlier. Like That kind of depends on the Cardinals' plan B or, or even their plan A. You know, is the guy they want to hire in any danger of taking another job before they have a chance to talk to D'Amico Ryans? If the answer is no, then you might as well wait and give him a shot. That, again, is if he just postponed with you and didn't cancel. Dan Quinn requested to be interviewed by the Cardinals. According to Tom Palacero, he actually interviewed virtually with the Cardinals on Saturday afternoon. Right. So they spoke with Dan Quinn, reportedly speaking with Brian Flores in person today in Arizona. That obviously is one to keep an eye on. A lot of people think he's the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to the gig. We'll see what happens with Peyton on Thursday. Um, And then Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, met with the Cardinals over the weekend as well. We've got eight known candidates, Gambo, for the job. Now we've got Monty Austinfort, the new general manager of the Cards, hired Dave Sears from the Detroit Lions. That personnel move came over the weekend. Sears is now the assistant GM of the Cards. Has a good track record when it comes to scouting college players, and I got to imagine a lot of this has draft written all over it. For I the think cards. it does. I think when you look at it and you look at the success that the Lions have had in their drafts, that's the one that kind of makes sense. Now, obviously, the familiarity with Monty Ford. they worked together for three years with the Texans. You know, they were both college scouts. So, you know, when you're Monty Ford, you're coming in, you want to hire people you trust, you want to hire people you know, uh, people that you believe in. And so he hired Dave Sears. Now, Dave Sears gets a lot of credit. He's actually been with the Lions since 2007, so he's been there for like 15 years. So he's been there for a long time, and he's done a really good job working his way up the ladder and getting to the point where he gets a lot of credit for their drafting, Panay Sewell and um, Amon Ross St. Brown and and Aiden Hutchinson and Kirby Joseph and 
Malcolm Rodriguez and a lot of the good players they have. A lot of he gets a lot of credit for that. Now he worked exclusively on the SEC for a while, and that's good news because the Cardinals are very likely if they keep their pick at. Number three, choosing between two SEC guys. Yeah, potentially. Bucky Brooks uh, of the NFL Network put out a new mock draft over the weekend. Uh, no trades. I don't know if that was by design or if he actually thinks that no one's going to be trading. I, I can't imagine he actually thinks no one's going to be trading, so it must have been by design. He had Will Anderson going number one to the Chicago Bears, the edge rusher out of Alabama. He had the Texans taking Bryce Young number two, the quarterback out of Alabama. And then Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle, going to the Cardinals at number three. I find that, and then C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, going number four. I find this whole scenario hard to believe. I got to imagine someone's going to trade up to the Bears' spot at of number course. one. I, it just seems very, very likely that's going to be the case. But this scenario paints a picture where the Cardinals get the second best defensive player, or what's left of the two defensive players that are there. I just have a hard time believing that's going to go down. So, so here's kind of the timetable now. The as far as the coaching goes, Flores done, Quinn done, Peyton on Thursday. If you want, and if you're able to, if he's still willing to give you an interview, D'Amico Ryan's a week from today. It doesn't seem like the Cardinals would hire anybody until Friday at the earliest, just to give them a chance to talk to Peyton. Right? It doesn't feel like we're going to get a coaching announcement tomorrow. Or Wednesday, not until they've at least had a chance to talk with Sean Payton. No, I think you got to go through that. That's what you want. I didn't want them to hire a coach and not talk to Sean, talk to Sean Payton. Yeah, you just talk to him, find out. Now, the compensation thing, I would love to know, and nobody is saying it, but I would love to know what the compensation is for these teams that have to, you know, that, that want Sean Payton. Because not only is he going to want a crazy amount of money, and we're talking 15 plus million dollars, 15 to 20 maybe, maybe a little, uh, you're going to pay him a lot of money because he's won a Super Bowl, sad success. But I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the, draft pick compensation that you would have to give to New Orleans yeah. to be able to hire him. Me too. That's why I don't want to do it, like from a Cardinals perspective. And I do not want to give up this year's first round pick and next year's first round pick. I'm totally on board with doing it if you could find another way without giving up your first this year and your first next year. But I'm your, fir- your first this year? Your first this year or your first next year. Oh, okay. Your first round pick this year. Oh, okay. I thought you said and. I'm like, or your Whoa. first round pick okay. next okay. year. Okay, I thought you said and. I don't want to give up either one of them. Yeah. I'll give up a second if I can get Sean Payton. I don't want to give up a first-round pick. Well, I mean, this year's second is almost as good as a first with with how high it is. And, and look, yeah, maybe you could be like, I'll, I'll give you a second and a fifth, and, we'll, and it's almost like a first. A lot of this, too, is a, is a poker. It's like a, it's like a game of you're, you're bluffing, right? Okay, so here's the general manager of the Saints, and he's saying, this is what I want for Sean Payton. All right, we want to hire Sean Payton, and we'll give you this. Or you can get absolutely nothing, and we won't hire him. Which, which I mean, and that's kind of then you play the game. Then you're not you're not getting him. Yeah, and and that's the game of bluff that you're playing. The game of poker that you're playing with the Saints when it comes to this. Oh, you say you want two first round picks. We're willing to give you a second and a fourth. And if you don't want that, then I guess we don't then want Sean Payton to be our hooker. We're we're going to move on. And then the Saints have to decide: Are we best off waiting? Or because Sean Payton to them is literally a nothing asset. He's a, he's he's not coming back to coach them. I would wait if I was them. I you would know, wait. You, you want a second and a fourth now, or do you really think you can milk a couple firsts out of somebody? I want a first. If I'm them, if that's I'm the poker them, game. 
I'll take a first round pick. If you're not willing, then don't come to the table unless yeah. you're willing to give. And if, if he doesn't get hired this year, he wants to coach again. He does. He'll but, be in the same spot next year. But he's almost bluffing with the Saints, too, because there's been this idea out there. Hey, look, if I don't get what I want, I'll just go back to Fox. Part of that is directed to the teams who are interested in him now. Part of that's also directed at the Saints. Hey, if you don't want to play ball with these other teams and get a draft pick for nothing, I'll just go back to Fox for a year. I'm making $10 million a year Listen, there. What do I care? From all of us, we don't want you to go back to Fox for another year. <laughs> you know, if, not a fan. Are you? He's not I'm that fan. good. He's not He's that good. Fan. The AFC games this weekend, we saw maybe some of the best quarterbacks the conference has to offer and one of the better apologies that we've heard in a while. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Fakes to the right. Full count throws to the end zone. It is caught by Hayden Hurst. Touchdown. Bengals. Burrow sucked the Bills in with the pump fake, and Hayden Hurst was wide open at the goal line. Way back at the beginning of our show at uh, straight up 2 o'clock, I kind of asked you off the cuff what your favorite moment of the playoff weekend was. And you had mentioned the George Kittle catch in, in the game between the Cowboys and the 49ers, and that's probably the right answer. I'll tell you that for me, though, my favorite moment of the playoff weekend was how quickly and how easily and how efficiently the Cincinnati Bengals opened up a 14 nothing can of whoop-ass on yeah. the Buffalo Bills. And it was just like that. The guys, you imagine how demoralizing that must have been for Buffalo. Every single dude was wide open. There wasn't anybody within 10 yards of any Bengals wide receiver on either of those drives. Those it happened drives. so fast. The Bengals were like, yeah, bye. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for being nice hosts. We're out of here. It was. Uh, it had to be devastating for Buffalo that they, you know, that they were down fourteen nothing in a game on these incredibly long drives where they're just jamming it down your throat and there's nothing you could do to stop them. And you know, Buffalo, everybody was, you know, was was talking about them as the team to beat this year, and they come in and listen. They're they're a good football team, but Cincinnati is something about them. They they. they Seven, seven nothing, six plays, 79 yards. Then 10 plays, 72 yards, 14 nothing. Then 14 plays, 65. These are back breaking drives. Yep. I mean, this is, I mean, it, you're ripping your soul out. Yep. 14 plays, 65 yards for a score. Um, you know, the uh, 10 plays, 72 yards for a score. These drives were just brutal. Hey, how about the second half? The one to put them up 24 10 to mix and tar- touchdown. 12 plays, 75 yards. Like, you can't get off the field. No. Your defense was was exhausted. I mean, it was snowy. It was cold. Joe Burrow didn't flinch, man. He didn't flinch. He was so good in that game. And I thought, you know, and I give him a ton of credit. He was great. Getting the ball to chase. Mick, But Mixon was fantastic. Was great. Mixon was so good for them. Joe Mixon running the football. And I think that that offensive line from Cincinnati was great. And then, you know, the problem with, with the Bengals is we don't give the defensive coordinator a lot of credit, but we should. That was a hell of a game no, plan by yeah, him. He, he had a... He had had a heck of a game plan, and he, uh, Lou Anarumo, yep. just absolutely stuck. And I had to look up his name just to want to make sure I didn't screw it up. Um, he stuck it to the Bills, and the Bill they were floundering all day on third down. They were floundering all day to move the ball. They looked completely disjointed to the point where you had even suggested earlier in the day the Bills. That's a team that could use DeAndre Hopkins. The Bills are a team that could use something because <laughs> it seems like every single year for the last three, we thought, oh, this is it. They're the best team in the AFC. No. No, they're not. Oh, no, this is it. Here they go. They're the best team in the AFC. Yeah, no, no, they're not. They're still not the best team in the AFC. And I bet maybe not D-Hop. 
or maybe it is D Hop. I bet they do something dramatic this offseason. I was, you know, and, and you sit there and you watch a game like that and you think, okay, is it? Can you blame Josh Allen for the for the faults of the team? And I'm sitting, I'm watching this game. But they, they don't really have any weapons. I mean, you take Diggs out of the game, which they did, and all of a sudden you're left with what? None of their running backs are any good. They got three running backs: Singletary, Cook, and Hines. They're okay. You know, everybody's great. Gabe Davis, uh, Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. Where, was, where was he a few weeks ago? Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. Like, go through the offensive line. It's not great. It's okay. He got sacked once, but they had eight quarterback hits. They had eight quarterback hits on him. I just don't think that they have a lot of weapons for Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's really good, and I think that they're limited in the weapons they have. Their weapons are okay. They're not great. They're okay. They won a lot of football games. Their defense was spectacular, but you you run into a matchup like this. Look, look at what they did last year, Ryan Tannehill, when they played him in the playoffs and they, they forced like three turnovers. Look what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the playoff game. They had a really good plan. That defense had a really good plan. And it's if if Josh Allen had better weapons, maybe he would have been able to have more success and get the Bills more points. Do you put any stock into the idea, and I'm not saying whether I do or whether I don't, I'm just asking you, that the Buffalo Bills emotionally had been through the ringer the last few weeks and they just kind of ran out of emotional gas based off of everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin? And that whole situation of of because that was one of the popular theories that was kind of circulating around yesterday was they just emotionally they hit their wall yesterday and they didn't have anything left to me that would discredit how good Cincinnati was in that game. So I would not go there. I like that answer. Demar Hamlin was there. They 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 knew their brother had recovered that he was out of the hospital that he was doing well he had visited them like now they just had to go with they had to go in football games and they won, and, and I think look they didn't play well last week against Miami they did not play well against Miami they were almost lucky lucky to win that game mm-hmm. um, Miami had the big delay a game on fourth and one to push them back you know so that was that was big they barely got by them and we probably should have saw this coming because Cincinnati is just they're a lot better than anybody ever gives them any credit for. Well, I, I mean, not to, you know, I'll, I'll sprain my shoulder patting myself on the back. I, this was the one upset I thought was going to happen this weekend because I, I didn't think it was that much of an upset. I, 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 it was just a question of the Bengals' offensive line. And, man, did they do a great They did a great job of protecting him. Joe Burrow also did a really good job of protecting himself. I think Burrow might be, I mean, to call him a rising star does him disrespect. He's not rising. He is a star in this he league. He didn't see any pressure. Uh, he got the ball out quick. The offensive line did a great job. Joe Mixon, they hardly touched him until he was five yards down the field. And, and Cincinnati hasn't. If you go look at their previous, like the last few weeks, they, they haven't been a good running team. No. But Mixon was, he was, he was last really good. month they weren't good, but he was great yesterday. And he was after the game, Joe Burrow had this to say about the AFC Championship game that was supposed to be in Atlanta. They started selling tickets for it in case it was going to be Kansas City versus Buffalo. That chip on your shoulder, everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> Zach Taylor. Yeah, we, we just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and, and uh, it, 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 I, it is it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral side games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody. And I hate that for, for the people that have to endure all those logistical issues, and then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So. I'm sorry. 
I love oh, the snark. Oh man! All right, I looked this up because I, I meant to look this up and I did. Okay, so I've been I've been saying for most of the day. I think Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow might be to the AFC what Aikman, Young, and Favre were to the NFC in the early nineties. So I looked it up. Okay, from nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety eight. There were six NFC Championship games played. Okay, six seasons, six games played. Okay, only one time did that game feature a quarterback that wasn't Brett Favre, Steve Young, or Troy Aikman. Only one time. For Tell me the team for six. The Carolina Panthers play the Green Bay Panther. Uh, play the Green Bay Packers in the '97 NFC Championship game. It's Jake, the, Jake DeLome? Nope. Before that. Who's the, who's the Carolina? Come on, Giants fan. Come on. Kerry Collins? Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins that is, is the quarterback? That is the only quarterback that wasn't Troy Aikman, Steve Young, or Brett Favre for a stretch of six seasons in the early to mid-90s. Wow. And I think that's what the AFC... And, and yeah, there, there's, Collins. there's a comparison to be made. You know, Mitch, I'm glad you brought this up because you're a little younger than I am, but this is a, it's like Manning, Brady, Big Ben, where I went through a stretch where it was just those three guys, and they were playing like a round robin every year. Who's going to win it this year? Is it Big Ben's turn? Hey, let's give Brady a shot. Oh, it's Manning's did, turn. Okay, go ahead. Who did Carolina lose to? Well, they lost to the Packers, who won the Super won Bowl the that Super, year. They beat New England. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, they beat New England. Yeah, and then the next year, the Packers lost to Elway mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. But every single year, it was either Aikman versus Young or Favre versus Aikman, or it, that's it. That's it for six straight years. Gary Collins. Yeah, and the and I'm glad Mitch brought that up about Manning, Brady, and Big Ben because that's a much more you know current relevant kind of thing. First when, time Kerry Collins' name has been brought up on a sports radio show in 20 years. That's true. Speaking of which, we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. It's the Burns and Gambo Show. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. We mentioned in the last segment that a member of the Cardinals was having discussions with the Cardinals about how much longer he's going to be with the Cardinals. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, we do have an update on the Suns, by the way. Just want to pass this along real quick for tomorrow's game against the Charlotte Hornets. DeAndre Ayton, with his non-COVID illness, is out for tomorrow night's game. He will not play. Obviously, Booker, Payne, Shamit remain out. Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, they're not on the injury report. Apparently, they're going to go. Okay. I would have thought maybe you would have given Chris Paul a day off to kind of ease him back. They did that with Cam over the weekend. I thought maybe they would have done that with Chris, too. But Cam has come back from much more severe injury. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that's... It was just an idea. There. It was yeah. just kind of one of no, those, I think like, all, you got to take it careful with them, right? Yeah, I'm all curious how you're going to manage this going forward. Like, how do you manage Cam's minutes and Chris's minutes and just, uh, you know, try to get those, keep those guys as healthy as you can to win games in a regular season, but are we ready for a playoff run? Yeah. I'll be curious, managing minutes, managing games. You, you mentioned Steve Kerr uh, earlier in the show about how he's just, look, man, you, you give me a 72-game schedule, I'll play my guys more often. You give me an 82-game schedule, I'm going to give my guys a bunch of days off. 
you know, preparing them for the playoffs. And, and I just wonder at what point Monty kind of does something similar when it comes to Chris. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's build in just days off for him between now and the end. So as a way to preserve him and save him as best you possibly can. I don't I know the it, answer to that, it, but it's worth it. You know, it's, it's worth try, trying because. Yeah, I listened to very much. Matchups were a factor last year against Dallas. That was just not a good matchup for Chris. New Orleans, once they figured some things out and they started pressing him, you know, pressuring him full court with Alvarado, that really hurt Chris's game and Monty had to make some adjustments. So, you know, I think it does matter. Matchups do matter. Uh, Chris had an incredible game against the Pelicans and overall, like, there were good games that he had in the playoffs. He just wasn't as consistent as he usually is. All right, let's play this soundbite. This is Ian Rappaport on Saturday, NFL Night. Network Insider on a meeting between the Cardinals' new GM and their star wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, his future has been a little bit cloudy ever since the trade deadline when teams were scurrying around trying to trade from former general manager Steve Kahn. Obviously, did not do a deal, but still, it has led some teams to wonder is one of the best receivers in the NFL available? My understanding is Monty Osborne, the new GM for the Arizona Cardinals, is going to sit down with Hopkins likely this week and plot out the future. Are they willing? to explore trade, or is he going to make sure that Hopkins is there for the 2023 season? If he will consider a trade, Mike, then first of all, one of the best receivers in the NFL is on the move, and two, the Cardinals may have to do a little rebuilding. I think the Cardinals do have to rebuild, and I think one of the best receivers in the NFL should be on the move. I mean, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I'm frustrated. There's obviously some frustrations with uh, with Kyler Murray last year. You remember that little sideline spat when they had to calm the blank down again. Uh, I think I think Hopkins probably wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to win, be a contender. And I think the Cardinals should have should have should move him. The Cardinals should want to move him at this point because if I could trade a 30 plus year old guy, you know, he's 30. And I could get back a younger asset, a draft pick, and it would help me in my rebuild and help me to start over. Yeah. You know, and again, you can't pay him and Hollywood Brown. So maybe that would allow you to keep Hollywood Brown, or maybe you move on from both of those and you draft a wide receiver with one of those extra picks. I don't know. But if I'm Monty Austin Ford, I'm trying to move on as much as I can. That's a big cap number. That's a big salary. If I could get a draft pick for him, I would love to do that. I know Ian Rappaport has to report what's in front of him and the news that he's discovered. This to me feels like the most foregone conclusion of them all. I, like, like there's, there's very little discussion, very little debate, very little. It feels like DeAndre Hopkins is gone, gone, gone. You know, and again, I, he's not reporting that. And he probably can't report that. This to me feels like a foregone conclusion that he will be on somebody else's roster next year. Like, there's very little debate about it. I'm looking back at his January 11th Instagram post, just a picture of him in a Cardinals uniform, and all it reads is forever grateful. If that isn't a goodbye, I, I don't know what is. I, I think he's going to want to ask out. I think the Cardinals at the end of the day are going to want him to ask out. I think they're going to want the draft picks that are going to come with him getting out. I think what you said earlier is spot on that, yeah, that's a big cap number you're going to have to eat in dead money this year, but you'd rather do that in a year where you're probably not expected to do much anyway and just get it out of the way, get rid of your debt yeah, like most that. Most GMs that come in that are new would rather take that all in one year and just get it over with than keep pushing it down the road where it's going to affect them. Right. Like, I could split it up after June, but that's going to hurt me down the road when I when I want to start bringing in my own guys. And this is not to say that DeAndre Hopkins isn't still a great player. He is still a great player. And if Kyler Murray were fully healthy and ready to go at the start of the season, I might feel totally different about this. Kyler's going to miss 
two, three, five, six. Who we knows don't know, how many games he's going to miss? He's going to miss games. Mm-hmm. And with his absence, I just don't see the pull. Because not, it's not only keeping D-Hop, to your point, you got to restructure the contract. You're going to have to give him guaranteed money. Now, it does affect your cap if you're Monty Austin Fort, where you can get off of that number in a year and kind of start fresh with a player that, if we're just being honest, probably isn't going to help him a whole lot next year. How I, do you view his time here? It, when, when they made that trade, it was one of the biggest steals in the history of a, an Arizona sports trade. You got DeAndre Hopkins for what? Yeah. For David Johnson? Like, come on. A, like, And now you look at DeAndre Hopkins, and you, you know he's, he's 30. He'll be 31 in June. He played three years with Arizona. He played in a total of uh, 35 games. He had about 12, 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, one playoff appearance that he didn't play in. He didn't even play in the game. Yeah. And they lost. I mean, when they made the trade, it seemed like the biggest steal of all time. Like, oh, my God. Three years later, they're looking to trade him. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it didn't work out, but it... Probably didn't work out like people thought it was oh, going to. Oh, it definitely to. didn't work out the way people thought it was going to. They, I, I feel like with DeAndre Hopkins, like the little moments where it was worth it having him here didn't add up to making it worth it. You know, like the like the the Hale Murray against the Bills, or, or we could go back and look at some of his great games that he had with the Cardinals. Those were all fine and good, but at the end of the day, what did it win you? What, what did you accomplish with that? Well, where did he lead you to? And at the end of the day, the answer is nowhere. I mean, you had an 11-win season, and you lost in humiliating fashion to the Rams in the playoffs, and he wasn't even around for the last half of that what season. What did they win the year before that? Eight games? Eight games, right? Yeah. Five. Because they went from five, then they got Hopkins. Three to five to eight to 11, right? So they were a five-win team. They got Hopkins. They won eight. Then they won 11. Then they won three. It always felt like the hopkins kyler combo was it should have been better like it was really really good and it was really exciting thinking about the two of them pairing together and being together it should have yielded more fruit than it did they missed 15 games got in the playoff game missed 15 games mm-hmm. and that, that in 3 years he missed 15 games and the thing about him was when you got him he never missed games that was that was no. one of the big selling points. No, he only he had only missed he never missed. He games. had only missed one or two games his whole time well, in Houston. For what you spent to get him, at the end of the day, I'm glad they got him. Yeah, you know, I, I don't regret getting him. I'm glad they did it. But what did you really accomplish with him? Not enough to say. We'll remember it. We'll always talk about DeAndre Hopkins, but but it, it won't. It, it's slightly greater than JJ Watt. Let's put it that way. A slightly greater impact than J.J. Watt in his time. That's When you get these players that are on that level, a J.J. Watt, a DeAndre Hopkins, you're expecting that you're getting these guys to have playoff success. Yes. Not regular season success, playoff success. Yep. And there were no wins in the two years with J.J., the three years with DeAndre Hopkins. There were no playoff wins. Not to say that you, you know, that, that, that they weren't good moves, but for whatever reason, you didn't have the right supporting cast. You didn't put the right pieces around those guys to help them win. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player. If there was more talent here, he probably would have been able to shine more and do great. But they just didn't have the team that was not his fault, but they didn't have the team to help 
get the best out of him. The Innings Festival is back. It's a two-day music festival, and it's featuring a great lineup. Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and a lot more. Returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. When we come back, Phoenix Suns have apparently missed out on a trade opportunity. We use that word apparently very loosely. Could another one be available to them in the future? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Nothing. Locally, anyway. Nothing's on tonight. Tomorrow night, it's a little busier. Hornets and the Suns, the Ducks and the Coyotes, both uh, playing at home tomorrow. The Suns and the Coyotes are. But as of tonight, none of the local teams are in action, obviously, after what was a very busy weekend. The Coyotes got a win over Vegas. Clayton Keller had a hat trick. Uh, You had both ASU and U of A in action. Of course, the Suns playing back-to-back games at Footprint Center over the weekend. So tonight is a night off when it comes to local sports. Watch whatever you like. There's plenty of college basketball on. I'm sure there's some NBA action. I don't have specific games in front of me, but uh, watch. Watch whatever you'd like. Sure. Whatever you want. Maybe you got a TV show that you could watch. You watching that TV show right now? You got a show you're watching? Um, that's a good question. Do I have one that I was... I want to watch the 1899 on Netflix. Okay. I think I watched the first episode of that because I really loved the Netflix show Dark, which was one of my favorites. I really want to watch the other... Um, Yellowstones. There's two of them. 1883 and yeah. 1923. So I'd like to watch that, the Harrison Ford one. It's 1923, yeah. Um, so there's a few that are kind of like on the docket, like, okay. okay, we should watch this. So I think it's possible. Uh, there might be a couple more that I'm missing. Yeah. It's hard to keep up with it. So many streaming shows right now. There's so hard. many shows. It's really hard to keep up with I mean, yeah, I mean, because you've got... And, and I think, is The Mandalorian back? Uh, it is in March, I believe. Is that March that's yeah, coming back? I believe it's March. Your, your, your guy, Grogu. Grogu. Yeah. Yeah, but they took off my girl. Like, she's gone. They did? Yeah, Gina Car- Carrara. What was her name? Gina. Uh, the, the, the like, four- she was the star of the show. Like, and they pulled her off the show. Star, but she was, but the, she she was, was, like, the she was like the female equivalent of The Mandalorian. I can't remember the name of the actress, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. She's yeah. not on season three. She's not there. Terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. I heard they checked the meters, and they're like, this Grogu kid blowing everything out of the water. <laughs> we got to take her out. Grogu thing is very, very popular. That's what's on tonight. Watch whatever you'd like. We'll be back with you tomorrow at straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We'll be previewing the Suns basketball game tomorrow against Charlotte in addition to some of the other stuff that we're doing. Again, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, neither of them on the injury report, so presumably they're going to play against the Hornets. DeAndre Ayton's obviously already been ruled out with his non-COVID illness. Still waiting on Devin Booker. And before we talk about trade possibilities with Jay, let's briefly mention that Monty gave an update on Devin Booker last night, and even though four weeks is this Wednesday, they said they were going to reevaluate him with the groin injury in four weeks. That's this Wednesday. Monty made it sound like pregame yesterday. They're not quite there yet with Devin Booker. They're going to take their time, and he's got some more boxes to check and more things he needs to do. Yeah, I was looking at a you know a whole bunch of stories on Book today and just trying to speak with the people of the Suns as much as I could to kind of find out. I'm getting the same thing. I mean, this is something that they just feel like they are going to take their time and make sure that he is right. They can't take any real chances with him. They're being very cautious. Uh, he has a groin injury. They're not going to, because the groin injury is a tough 
tough one because again, it's like you know, it's almost like a hamstring. Like you don't want to you don't want to re-injure that because if you do, you're out for an extended period period of time, right? He he returned. He had the the big game against New Orleans. Then he sat for a bunch of games. Then he came back for the Christmas Day game. Then he went out again, reaggravated it. So that's what you got to be careful for. Like you don't want to bring him back and have him reaggravate it because remember he had the big. 58 point game and then he then he sat out and then he came back for the Christmas Day game and then got hurt that game and then he's been out ever since and so I mean I understand that, that with with that that they'll they'll err 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 on the side of caution mm-hmm. sorry I can't speak very well That's right all now right. err on, on the side, side of caution, of caution. I knew and, what you meant I speak your language yeah and just to make to make sure that he's as close to 100 percent as they can when they bring no, him back no you know when it's easier to say that and it's easier to do that when you're riding a three game win streak and suddenly you're back at 500 right like suddenly the hey be patient with book plan sounds fine because they, they got I mean you could see it you could, you could see it on Thursday night with Cam Johnson you could see it last night with Chris Paul just getting those guys back emotionally gave them a shot of adrenaline right you could just see 100%. it in the way they were playing and, and how long that lasts I don't know they nearly blew it against Brooklyn they blew it last night against Memphis that was a crazy comeback by Memphis they were down and out they were buried about to wave the white flag and they made a crazy comeback honestly I thought they were this close to pulling their starters yeah. like like they were down twenty something with a couple minutes left in the third. I'm like, they're going to pull their starters here. Any minute. I think it was twenty four. Then they hit the three quarter half shot to end the buzzer. Then they had this twelve nothing run in the fourth, and then they just they made it a two point game. You're like, oh my god, if the Suns lose this game, yep, they held on. They held on tight. Big shots by Mikel down the stretch. Big free throws by Dario Saric. They they all they they were playing such disjointed basketball, but they held on. And now, now we think about you know not only these upcoming games, which the schedule kind of is on the lighter side for the Suns now. Yeah, Charlotte, San Antonio, Toronto, Toronto yeah. Dallas game. But four, the four games that they play, these next four games, Dallas is the toughest game. Charlotte, San Antonio, Toronto are games that, you know, that, are, that are very winnable games for the Suns. Trade deadline is two weeks from mm-hmm. this Thursday. Jay Crowder today tweeted out an emoji of a uh, hourglass, a clock, and an hourglass, as if to say, time, it's almost time. It's almost time for me to get out of here. The question is, is it almost time for Jay Crowder to get out of here? I, I am seriously concerned about a team trading for Jay Crowder, knowing that he hasn't played in, he hasn't played a basketball game in so long, and whether he'd be able to help you or not. So I, I am really curious about that. Now, you know, one name that's come up recently, not that, I, and I don't, I'm going to check on this some more, but with with the Bucks and you know with Serge Ibaka, you know they they're getting they they're going to split up, right? I mean they they're trying to work out a trade to send Ibaka somewhere. He's a 14 year pro, and uh, could you move Ibaka for Jay Crowder? Now Ibaka doesn't make a whole lot of money. He's only making a couple million this year, so you'd have to do something else to make the money work. But, you know, if I'm Milwaukee and I could get Jay Crowder and I can move Ibaka in something else, I might want to do that. Crowder's at about $10 million. Milwaukee's always been seen as a trade 
partner yep. for Phoenix. They just always have. We've talked about a number of their guys, including Grace and Allen. So I think, you know, I'm going to try to do some more homework on that and, you know, see if anything comes about. But that's just one name. I think, you know, just try to find out if the Suns would have any interest in Ibaka. Yeah, you got to figure they're going to move him for somebody somewhere. It's it's probably going to be an underwhelming package, but it's it's going to be it's time. You know, we're getting close to time. And that's what Jake Crowder, I think, what his tweet meant today was that it's almost time for him to get moved. Uh, there was a trade. Did they make it official? Did the Lakers officially make that deal happen? Okay, Ruri Hachimura got traded from the Wizards to the Lakers. Today, he was a name that, if you'll remember, was kind of attached to the Phoenix Suns. I know you shot it down several weeks ago. Yes. Kind of resurfaced again today where Shams Sharania sort of intimated that maybe the Suns were one of the three finalists for Hachimura. But I know that was a name that you had said quite some time ago. The Suns just had very little interest in when it came to a, to adding him. Yeah, yeah, the Suns were not interested in him. I mean, the Lakers gave up three second-round picks and Kendrick Nunn for him. So... Um, um, you know, for them, I think that they look at it and they say, okay, it's probably worth it. They may want to keep him well, beyond this year. And, I think that's why they made the trade. And I think that's what has to be brought up here. I don't think the Suns wanted to financially keep Rory no. Hachimura. And I'm sure Hachimura wanted to be kept by somebody. So that was probably part of the deal here. It wasn't just because they didn't give up very much to get him. But re-signing him, I think that's the thing the Suns wouldn't have wanted to do with Hachimura. No, not especially being a taxpayer right now and trying to, you know, with a new owner coming in, you know, you, know, you want to figure out what the what the budget's going to be for next year, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, and so that's why, you know, you, you sit there and you say, how, how come the Suns didn't get on this? The price was low, and normally I would agree with that, but if the price is actually signing a player to a three-year contract after that, then is the price really that low? And, and No, you'd rather hold on to the picks and use them for something that's more worth, even the second-rounders. It's three second-round picks. You know, I mean, could you use that? If you're not going to keep Hashimura, you're better off just keeping the even those second-round picks and using it for leverage on a different trade at another point. Look, we'll see what the Suns do. They're going to do something with Jay. It's just a question of whether they do something else. Do they do something else with Jay by adding draft picks? Do they do something separate with draft picks? Or do they just move Jay? We'll have a lot more on that as the weeks come up. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night. Night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.